Hey dreamers, did you not get to make it to DreamCon 2017 this year? For just $10, you can download the virtual ticket and get access to the HD video, MP3 copies of all the talks, and some other bonus material. Just go to superjopardo.com forward slash virtual to get your ticket now and start getting inspired by the amazing speakers that rock the stage. Hey dreamers, my guest today is making his dreams come true by selling stickers. Uh, and I, I really am looking forward to getting uh, some more explanation on that. I can actually, I, you can't see it, but I can see it. In the background, there is one of those awesome looking vending machines. And it looks like it has a side thing. Is that is that side thing for stamps? Uh, actually, it's for uh, pencils. Pencils. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Well, We're, we're going to get there too because I'm... Quite curious as to how many pencils you can sell from a vending machine uh, in the in 2017 of all times. Uh, Dreamers, I'd like to welcome to the show Matt Miller. Joe, thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to be here on a beautiful Friday afternoon. It is. I think it's a little chilly out here. I don't. What part of the country are you in? Uh, Central Texas, outside of Fort Worth. Oh, okay, I've been to Fort Worth uh, twice. Nice area. It's like a big South Jersey. I'm from South Jersey. It's just outside of Philly. So it, it looked to me, it's like, oh, man, this looks like, like Jersey. And then we, we, we'd go down a little further, and I'm like, oh, there's cows. And, and there's a mall right behind them cows. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's real close to, like, the Cape May area. I, I actually spent three years at Dover, Delaware, at Dover Air Force Base, just okay. right across the bay. So, um, awesome, man. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 definitely. I, so, uh so wait, were you in the military? Yeah, I was an Air Force pilot for nine years. Oh well, thank you for your service. That's 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 amazing. What kind of did, did you? What did you get to fly? I was a T thirty eight instructor pilot for five years, and then I was a C five pilot, big the big transport plane oh. for uh, three years. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Um, do you miss it? Not at all. <laughs> well, I, I take that back. The little T thirty eight is a little two seat supersonic jet trainer. Uh, it's like a fighter jet, and so every once in a while, I'll see those flying around somewhere, and I'll be like, "Man, just give me an hour and twenty minutes in that thing, man. Just just to go up and you know put my hair on fire or whatever." Otherwise, um, Uncle Sam's a very demanding mistress, has total control of your life, and. Um, while it was fun when I was single and in my early married years, once we started having kids, I just had other priorities and, and traveling all over the world, never knowing when I was leaving and never knowing when I was coming back was was not uh, something I wanted to be doing anymore. That is 100% understandable for sure. Um, Matt, why don't we get started by giving some background about yourself? I grew up in the Chicago area. I went to the Air Force Academy for college. After that, was blessed to have an opportunity, like I just mentioned, to fly for nine years in the Air Force. Um, along the way, though, I realized that uh, I didn't like being told what to do. And the military is not a very good place to be if <laughs> that's your personality. So once my commitment was up, I got out. I spent some time in the corporate world, initially working in the hospital medical device industry for about a year and a half in the Houston area 
And then I transitioned to the direct mail advertising world where I worked for about a decade. Uh, about midway through that time, I started vending because I was looking for something to do on the side that would generate passive income like Robert Kiyosaki talks about and um, not conflict with my full-time job because that's what was paying the bills at the time. And a good buddy of mine from church one Sunday mentioned the gumball machines that he and his daughters had bought they had placed locally and, and that they were servicing on a regular basis in a small business together. And I was like, you know what? I'm in a bad place financially right now because of some corporate decisions that were made. But the vending machines do all the selling. I don't have to be there. And even though gumballs are only a quarter, the markup is a thousand percent on a gumball. So because of that, I can start to work my way out of this hole that I'm in financially. So I bought a used candy and gumball machine on eBay for about 36 bucks from a guy across Houston where we were living at the time. And I began to teach myself vending and added about 125 locations around the Houston area in the next year and a half. Had ventured by then into toys and stickers and temporary tattoos as well. And then 07 and 08 hit. The market crashed, less people were frequenting the locations where I had equipment, and I was frustrated because uh, we weren't making nearly as much money as we were. And right around that time, I had four young kids come knocking on my door, selling me stuff for the local school fundraiser. I didn't know the kids. Their parents weren't with them. I thought that was odd that they'd be going door to door, talking to strangers to support their school. And idea of school spirit vending with custom stickers for the schools and then placing sticker machines in the school was born. That was a decade ago. Um, <clears throat> today, we're in over 2,500 schools in 40 states. Our franchise team is just shy of 100 families strong, and we are absolutely grown like a weed, man. Oh, that's amazing. Well, congratulations on that. I... Uh... Yeah, okay, so the sticker thing makes a lot more sense than, like, the little, like, stickers you would, like, get and put on your hand or, or anything like that. Yeah, we, we don't normally do temporary tattoos just because there's a lot of parents that are against that. So we primarily stick straight with stickers, man, for notebooks and that kind of thing. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, So, okay, so what was uh, some of the first steps? Because, like... An outsider's perspective of vending is that, and this is just like from the hearsay that I've heard, is that it's a pretty competitive, rough and tough market to be in. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, but, you know, I could go into your area wherever you are, no matter how many vending machines there are out there in Jersey, trust me, there's opportunity there. You just got to know where to look. And um, I made a living at going into locations where equipment was already in place and finding a product that that other vending operator wasn't carrying and then offering it to the location to supplement what they had. So I, I didn't have to be the only guy in the location to make great money. I just needed to find a niche in that location that I could exploit and work in. And so, 
even though there was equipment everywhere and most people would say where I was in Houston, oh, that, man, there's machines everywhere. There's no way to make money here. I, I proved that was not the case at all. Oh, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I, and yeah, it's tough, um, though. I could see being being in that situation of uh, trying to figure that because that that like I mean, that's just an outsider's perspective of like, man, it's a, it's a really tough market because there's so many. I mean. What was it? Uh, I think I was watching a documentary, uh, Super Size Me, and it talked about how many vending machines there are. And that was in 2004. It was like, was it like one or, or, or like three for every human being on the planet or something like that at the time? Yeah, I don't doubt that. Or no, it was no, it was like it was one for every 97 people or, or something to that effect. So it was that, yeah, it was a bit different. But but yeah, it, it, that's, a, that's a lot. <laughs> I'm sure it's a lot more yeah, than yeah. that now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but all I know is I've got hundreds out there, and I'm just one guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, you're one guy with a hundred families standing behind you in the franchise. Well, that's true, but I'm I'm just talking about my locations that I own. I'm not talking about our franchise team and all they've got. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so so let's let's talk a little bit about the 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 gumballs and when you when you got started with that. Um. What uh, the thirty-seven dollars? So what? What did this gumball machine look? This must be like one of those like little globe ones. I'm thinking. Yeah, it had two heads, two globes, and one side was for gumballs, and the other side was for candy. I picked up the machine on a Saturday morning in my '98 Honda Accord with my two uh, young kids at the time. We dropped by Sam's Club on the way home to pick up some some gumballs and some uh, Skittles. And the following Monday, I set out starting to figure out how to get that thing in a location. And within a couple of days, I had a, a karate studio in the area that was interested in the program. Set up shop. Now, my kids never used those machines. I never used those, those machines. So it was one of those things. I'm like, okay, they're, they're everywhere. So there has to be some money being made here. But I was still skeptical. And so I'll never forget two weeks into having that machine on location. Normally there's a four to six to eight week service cycle. Well, at two weeks, I was like, man, I got to find out what the deal is. is. Is anybody even using this thing? So on a busy Thursday night, I walked into the location with kids karate classes going on, put the key in the machine, you know, opened it up and quarters spilled out everywhere. And I was like, holy smokes, this stuff actually works. <laughs> so then I took that money and I reinvested it in another machine. And and literally because I didn't have but $100 that I could invest at the time to my name, I slowly but surely with cash flow put this business together machine by machine by machine and and built it from from basically nothing. Wow, wow. Yeah, no, I mean, that's. I'm glad you didn't go out and get a loan. <laughs> because <laughs> that's not <laughs> I, I couldn't have at the time Joe. so I, I didn't have any choice our, our credit rating was so lousy in fact right around that time i got turned down for a payday loan you don't even have to have a credit rating to have a payday loan but you got to have a bank statement that doesn't show any overdrafts and the month before i had three overdrafts of 35 bucks a piece so the guy said sorry i can't help you I mean, here I am, quote unquote, America's finest Air Force pilot, Air Force Academy grad, getting turned down for a couple hundred bucks. That was the hole we were in. Wow, wow. Um, 
so so let let's let's uh fast forward a little bit to to when you decided to to make it into a franchise how did how did that go well uh let's see oh eight time or oh seven we placed our very first sticker machine in a school out of houston did some testing and it went gangbusters so at that point in time i was like man we're on to something well i had a couple of buddies who were around as I was talking about this and they decided to get involved as well. And then slowly but surely as we gained traction, I had friends and family, et cetera, that were like, hey, we, we want to do what you do. So initially we set up a distributorship and a licensing model where we kind of taught people the ropes. We provided them product and then uh, got a royalty um, as well on what they sold. But about two years ago, my coach, a guy by the name of Aaron Walker that I had hired uh, about six months prior, challenged me one day and he said, you know what, do you have any idea how much opportunity there's out there that you're not taking advantage of right now? He said, if it were me, I would be, you know, uh, full speed ahead on this thing because there's a lot of schools that have no idea who you guys are. We were primarily in the South around Texas at the time. And so we were trying to figure out how to grow in other parts of the country. Well, what I found out in consulting with my attorney is there's a bunch of states, 13 of them to be exact, that have very, very strict business laws when it comes to business opportunities. And he consulted me and recommended that really the best way for me to do business successfully and legally in those states um, to alleviate a lot of the red tape is to become a franchise. So about 19 months ago, 20 months ago, we started franchising. Um, we had a team at the time of about 40 families that we're working with with the distributor model. And since that point, we've added uh, 62, I think, new franchises um, in a little bit over a year. So we have just Good. Things have just gone nuts. What we found is there's a lot of people out there who are love what they do and are very successful at it, but they want to diversify. They need to do it on a limited time time commitment. In many cases, they want to have their kids involved and develop a family business. And our business is very family oriented. We encourage families to be involved so we can teach multi-generational entrepreneurship and just not mom and dad. So, so all those things coming together along with the passive nature of what we do has had tons and tons of people reaching out um, from literally all over the country. I should say actually literally all over the planet. We're, we're doing business in the U.S. right now, but, uh, you know, we've had folks reach out from Australia and New Zealand and the U.K., Panama, Canada. Um, I had a guy reach out from Dubai the other day. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Wow. Wow, that that is phenomenal. That that is phenomenal. So so how much does these uh these stickers cost the kids? Fifty cents. Fifty cents. Okay. Wow, that's not bad at all. And then and the pencils. Uh fifty cents as well. Fifty cents as well. Awesome. 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 Um. So Matt, how did your family take it when you were like, "Hey, I'm gonna get into the gumball business." Come on, Joe. Isn't that the natural progression? Air Force <laughs> pilot, 
you know, advertising executive, gumball machine operator. I mean, isn't that what everybody would aspire to do? Uh, probably, (laughs) right? I I would think that anybody that's maybe really into like vending and arcade uh, stuff, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure I still have friends and family who are still scratching their head. But you know what? I, I didn't do this for them. I did it for me and my family. I learned long ago not to really care what other people's thought, what other people thought. And so we did what we had to do. I mean, the reality was we were in a bad spot. I had to provide for my family. And this is the path that I chose because it allowed me not just to start a business on the side, but start a business on the side that over time would allow me to, you know, achieve my dreams, right? To have control over time and money and to be able to do the things that I really wanted to do. And um, most professionals don't look at vending or a quarter or 50 cents as real money. But to put it in perspective, we've raised over $4 million for education in the last decade, 50 cents at a time. So um, kids love stickers. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's allowed us to do a lot of really cool things as a family and for us to provide for a lot of other families and of course the schools that we work with as well. Oh, that that is phenomenal. I mean that's I mean that's really the 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 goal is to be able to have social responsibility in what you do. That's one of the reasons why I'm so happy that you you didn't come in and be like, "Yeah, I I'm the guy that installs the soda machines in the school." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh so so it's really really happy to hear that. Um so, so Matt, you you uh, told me before that you're into the gardening, which uh, I I'm really curious as to uh, how well how did you get into gardening as a hobby? You know, I, in a lot of ways, Joe, this is going to sound a little odd, but you know, we were down in Houston for about ten years, maybe eleven years, I guess. And during that time, hurricanes were a threat on a regular basis during the summer. You know, there was multiple times when, you know, power was out for weeks at a time. And, um, you know, all you had to do is go into the local grocery store one time and see the shelves completely bare to realize that it might be good to start to figure out how to produce food and some of those things for yourself. And so when we were living in a rent house in the Houston area, I started out with just some little uh, window garden um, pots that I lined up around the backyard in my, in, in the house we were renting. And I began to figure out how to plant stuff. And eventually that grew and grew. And I learned what to plant, how to plant it, when to plant it, where to plant it. And then when we moved out into the country in central Texas outside of Fort Worth six years ago, I had the opportunity for the first time on six acres to have as big a garden as I wanted. And so we put in, I think, 36 raised beds in our backyard, uh, totaling about 3,000 square foot of garden. And I slowly started putting that garden together and providing not only for my family most of our, our needs during the summer, but for people in my church and my neighbors and all that too. And, you know, I struggled for years with patience. And one of the things that gardening allows me to do 
aside from just having some time, some time of peace and quiet working in the soil and the ability to meditate is I've learned that it's not about me. God's in control. My job is just to plant the seeds and tend them. His job is to grow them. And, you know, there's a lot of lessons that and parallels we can draw between gardening and life in general. And so it's been really therapeutic for me. Um, it's amazing to see God work the miracles that he works and that little seed become a big plant that produces fruit all summer long. Um, we've also got a bunch of nut trees and fruit trees and uh, a huge blackberry patch that we planted and all of that. And so this is a really exciting time actually for us here in the country because we're in the process of planting right now. Um, and over the next four or five months, we'll have an opportunity, depending on what it is, to harvest um, the, the fruits of our labor, um, much like, you know, we're, we're able to harvest today the fruits of a decade of what we've been doing with schools. Oh, I love it. That That is awesome. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I kind of assumed that gardening would have something to do with, uh, you know, meditation and and you know, the silence of, of working, you know, on something that doesn't talk back to you or demand uh, like a whole lot out of you. Um, no, nah, that's awesome. We have a good time. And uh, thankfully, I've got some help this summer. So um, it's going to be a lot less drag on my time to do it. Um, in fact, when we're done today, I actually have to get down the hill and I've got a bunch of tomatoes and peppers and zucchini and musk melon uh, uh, to plant because I got pl picked up plants a couple of weeks ago and they're sitting here in my office right now. So I'm excited about that because um, it's warm enough now for most of those that we don't have to worry about a frost or or anything anything like that would that would kill them off at this point. Oh yeah, no, that, that oh, that's so awesome that you're gonna have help this uh, this year. Um... So, so Matt, what's been the biggest roadblock for you in this this decade long, well, that decade plus long journey? Yeah, Joe, I would say bar none has been the money side of things. Um, I came from a family where my parents were both teachers, and they did the best they could to provide for us. Uh, they they let us know that if we were going to go to college, we were going to have to figure out our own way, just because they couldn't afford it, and so. I kind of came from humble, humble beginnings in that regard. And, um, I was never, never really learned or taught about money. So early on, a lot of it was just me being a complete idiot, you know, with, with credit card debt and buying brand new cars out of college and that type of thing. And all that snowballed over time. And then when a bad decision was made corporately in my job, you know, we went from, you know, doing all right and getting by to all of a sudden we couldn't handle the obligations we had. And so I had to get really creative and, you know, we did whatever we took, whatever it took to make it happen. I collected aluminum cans for a while. I sold used books on Amazon. Um, I, I did whatever I had to do. In fact, when we were getting SSV off the ground, I even delivered pizzas at Pizza Hut for about 18 months on top of my full-time job, on top of my traditional bulk route, and on top of my school spirit vending business. 
Um, Because I needed the seed capital, especially during the summer, to keep this thing growing because there were so many schools that wanted our help. Um, Well, I don't have to do that stuff anymore, but I had to. And, uh, you know, we were in a really big world of hurt there for a number of years. You know, man, I think a lot of people uh, kind of take that uh, take for granted that the that these types of things happen over not over, just overnight, but or, or like, oh, it's it, it must have been so easy or, uh, you know, must be nice. And that oh man, that's like one of my least favorite comments that people can say, can say. You know, folks that are just meeting me now or people that haven't known me real long, it, they, you know, they think it's just, you know, overnight success. Well, you know, it's 13 years to overnight success. And success is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Too many of us today, though, want it to happen immediately. And if it doesn't, we roll over and quit. Well, you know what? Malcolm Gladwell in his book, uh, Outliers, talks about 10,000 hours to be great at anything. So if you think or if I think that we're going to shortcut that by a whole lot, we're kidding ourselves. Um, There's no such thing as get rich quick. There's get rich slow, maybe, if you stay steady and consistent and and come up with a great idea. And um, I don't regret any of the process because I there was stuff I had to learn all along the way as I'm still learning today. Um, but it definitely makes me a lot more appreciative today because of what we've been through. And um, that has a lot of value. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been entrusted with the team that I have is because I've been through the things that many of them have are going through or, or may go through someday so that I can relate and empathize with them. But I can also show them the way because I have gone through all that and made it out the other side. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, um, you know, doing entrepreneurs are, are, are professional problem solvers. That's the way I look at it. Even business owners are professional problem solvers. And in order to, you know, it's like, how do you gain experience? You make bad decisions, right? How do you make bad decisions? Well, you make a decision in the first place. Um, you know, not everything's going to be a win every single time. I mean, even in successful businesses, they crystal Pepsi was a thing, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it didn't work out. I mean, they brought it back, but that's only for nostalgia purposes because they knew they could probably sell how, you know, a batch of it that they could make up and, and sell it based on nostalgia. Um, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be failure as as much as it could just be like, okay, that was a a mistake. I shouldn't have did that. And um, and even with you know delivering those pizzas, I'm sure you learned a lot in you know, just working in a um in an environment that is so manufactured and so processed oriented as as a Pizza Hut. I'm sure that that probably helped you a lot to understand like how do really great businesses become bigger businesses right and and here you are franchising yourself i'm pretty sure uh pizza hut's a franchise yes there's a bunch of corporate owned stores but then they uh they franchise as well so like a speedboat in your uh house there (laughs) no i got the lawn guys outside unfortunately oh man (laughs) (laughs) oh okay it's really really loud Guy's just going by with a blower real quick. He'll be he'll be by the window here in just a second. <laughs> oh, all right, hold on a second. 
Okay, and we're we're, we're back. So, so first, it sounded like a speedboat in your your obviously indoor pool, and you're just somebody or a jet ski that somebody's like riding around your indoor pool right next to you. Um, and then it sounded like angry bees as they got further away. I, I liked I liked the first scenario better, Joe, a lot better. <laughs> but let's just stick with that. Yeah, I'm on a jet ski right now doing this interview. You know, in the little kiddie pool in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway, I think, you know, it, people don't um, – but, but anyway, so yeah, so what I was saying about franchise, you know, working within a franchise, I, I can imagine would give you a lot of uh, insight into what a really uh, process-heavy company would would look like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, big time. Thankfully, in my early years as a pilot, you know, we live by checklists and to fly an airplane because there's a lot of complex steps that have to happen to get that airplane off the ground and back on the ground safely again. And so I was used to following those checklists there. And so that was my natural inclination to put together similar processes and checklists along the way here so that we could literally scale this thing to whatever size we wanted. And the effort that it took on the back end was pretty consistent, regardless of the number of people that were involved. So it, it's it's been a lot of work to make it happen. But we also have a, have a lot of control over time still today. In fact, up until two years ago, I, I was a one-man show. I was a solopreneur. Um, you know, today I've got, you know, some employees and, and some contractors that, that help out with various projects and all, but, but otherwise, um, you know, the processes, et cetera, and the technology that's available today help us significantly with a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, technology definitely helps, you know, do all those number crunching and put things into them like, Hey, figure this out. And it's like, well, the computer figured it out five minutes ago because it was in a you know in a spreadsheet or, or or some kind of calculation where you don't have to have somebody crunch all those numbers to figure out like are are we making any money are we not making any money what's what's things what's going on how can we improve so yeah technology um and and especially the checklist right understanding the importance of um scalable processes i mean that's like what my whole consulting business is based around is, is scalable processes so yeah i i I definitely have a great appreciation for that. Yeah, it's pretty cool, you know. And like I said, with the technology piece, you know, to have a scheduler app today like Schedule Once that I can send somebody a link and they can book themselves into my calendar without any human interaction at all as just one simple example has been game-changing um, because now I don't have to have a person that is actually having to reach out to people to do those things, you know, the computer and the app does it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just want to remind everyone that you're listening to the dreamers podcast and I'm Joe Pardo, the host, and I'm sitting down having an awesome chat with Matt Miller, who, uh, makes his living off of selling stickers, uh, which is, does that, does that still get to you? It blows my mind, man. It really does. <laughs> well, that's good to hear, right? It's good to hear that it, you know, it, the um, the 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 magic of it hasn't worn off. It's one of those things like 
when I first started selling products online and I sold my first one, I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I can't believe I got my, you know, and then, but you know, I've noticed like it gets a little less amazing, but I don't know. Like I I still think it's amazing because I think most of the products that or most of the things I'm selling at this point are conferences. So I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I'm going to get to meet another person at my conference. I can't wait to do that. Yeah. Yeah, versus it's... like, oh, it's a digital product and they just move on. <laughs> you, you know, right. they take the product and, and, and we go on uh, with our day. But, um, yeah, so this is the Dreamers Podcast. Matt Miller selling stickers and uh, is franchising selling stickers, which is, uh, which is pretty incredible. I mean, it, like, it makes so much sense when you say it, but it's like, well, I guess not many or very few, if anybody, was doing it before that in the way you were doing it. Right. It's it's wild. I I don't know how this crazy Air Force former Air Force pilot figured some stuff out that others before me didn't. But um, it's we've been blessed for sure. Well, lots of time. I, you know, obvious time. Time is one of those those things that uh, the more time you spend on something, the more you're gonna figure. It's like how do, they're like how did people how did the uh, Egyptians figure out how to build the pyramids? while they weren't sitting around playing xbox and eating cheetos all day <laughs> you know the, yeah. somebody was there figuring this stuff out and probably multiple multiple people were sitting there figuring it out so there, there's always an answer you just got to be willing to, to spend the time or the money um to to get it get it done matt what was your <clears throat> childhood dream growing up You know, Joe, I, to be honest, I don't know that I, I, I don't remember having one really. I mean, I just, you know, I wanted to get a good education and, and then to be able to provide for my family. Uh, other than that, I, you know, it wasn't one of those things where I wanted to be a pilot as an example. In fact, the only reason why I went to the Air Force Academy was because I wanted to go to school away from home. And it was essentially a free ride scholarship in exchange for, you know, a certain period of time of my life serving in the military afterwards. So um, I, I don't really ever recall, aside from, you know, you know, being a, a world-class athlete or something that I think every boy at some point in time, uh, you know, dreams about. I don't think I had a whole lot more than that that I remember anyway. Well, I mean, soon to be world-class entrepreneur. I mean, that's that's something, right? Yeah, oh, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. You got to get those deals closed in uh, Dubai. There you go. (laughs) Matt, what do your dreams for the future look like? You know, Joe, now that the basics are taken care of for our family, um, you know, my shift is not just from being successful to working more towards being significant. My uh, coach, Aaron Walker, has a company called View from the Top, and and he talks a lot about that. Um, you know, spending your life having significance by impacting positively others around you. And so, number one is to um, to help the families that uh, that believe in what we do and are actively a part of it as franchisees to help them accomplish their dreams. And, uh, you know, to give them more opportunity in their life than they might have otherwise had uh, because of the opportunity we've created. You know, I'd love over time to replace traditional fundraising as we know it in the schools. 
Uh, SSV won't do that, but um, by bringing other projects on board, other companies to provide and, and fill needs that the schools have. And one of the things I started three years ago, uh, believe it or not, is a comic book company. Um, when I was growing up, I was inspired to read uh, as a kid reading comic books. And I spent a lot of my allowance in lawn mowing and, and shoveling money when I grew up in the Chicago area on comic books or sports cards at the time. And so once we started to really get a significant sized footprint in schools around the country, I was like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we started to create content and hopefully could inspire kids to read um, like I was inspired to read as a kid? So I found a couple of young guys who graduated from Baylor University, um, and they came up with a comic book series called Marlin and Percy. There are a couple of apes that want to be superheroes, and um, they originally showed up in our sticker machines. A sticker comes out of the machine in a little folder of cardboard, and we're the only ones out there that print on that folder. And uh, Marlin and Percy, a four-panel comic, is is a part of um, most of those vens that the kids get. But then once we kind of figured that out, then I was like, you know, guys, what, what do you think about creating a full-length comic book and starting to make a difference in that way? So to date, we've um, published eight full-length comic books. Uh, we also have a children's novel that we released here several months back and are real close to releasing the second children's novel. And um, we're starting to see schools really, really get excited about what we're doing and kids get excited about uh, reading, utilizing, you know, Marlon and Percy as part of the material that they're reading. That jet ski's getting mighty excited. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I'm rubbing it up. I'm taking some serious waves, man. <laughs> Making some serious waves. More, it's more like it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, I think that, that, is, that is really awesome. I, I love the fact that you're... Um, you know, you're you're put now that you've you've you know established yourself. You want to make a difference in in other ways, and um, and I and I that ah, that's so awesome, man. It's fun. It's it's kind of my passion project right now, but hopefully, it'll it'll be more than that as time goes on. Um, I don't quite know where it all's leading. I, I've never, you know, I'm not a publisher or, or knew nothing about books or publishing or any of that kind of stuff a couple of years ago. And just like in vending, we learned along the way and kind of made some of it up as we went. Yeah. You know, we're doing the same thing with the, with the comic book stuff. And it's just exciting to see where that potentially heads, not only with the schools that we're working with, but, but kids all over the world. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Matt, how can people connect with you online? So if they want to talk or learn about vending, Joe, I wrote, a short ebook called Live Your Dreams, the top 10 reasons why you need to own a vending business. And uh, it just shares my insights with 13 years of experience in the vending industry. Um, hopefully it'll get folks thinking because most professionals don't really look at vending as a real business. And uh, I, I will challenge you in that regard. 
Um, if they want to talk a little bit about the franchise and, and that, I'm well, you know, more than welcome to to talk about that as well. But they can go to ssvbusiness.com forward slash dreamers uh, to download that ebook for free, and we can start a dialogue if they like. On the comic book side of things, if they've got kids or grandkids um, in their life that they'd like to uh, to share the Marlin and Percy world with. Um, if they go to marlinandpercy.com and uh, go to the shop and use the uh, the coupon code APEPOWER, they can buy a bundle of comics number one through seven uh, for ebook download and save 40% off the cover price on those and get some really, really cool stuff at a ridiculous price and uh, and share a little bit of my vision with some kids in their life. Well, that that's awesome. I will definitely have that in the show notes at uh, dreamerspodcast.com. Um, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Is there any last thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap up? Joe, I would just tell folks, you know, you live in the, in the land of the greatest opportunity still to this day. And I encourage you to take the maximum advantage of that opportunity to not settle for the nine to five. Um, it takes work. It takes effort. But I truly believe that most of us are not doing what we're really passionate about right now. We're just doing what we feel we need to do. And with some hard work, some focus, and some creativity, you can truly get yourself to a point where you can pursue your passions Um while making money as well. And I just hope folks will, will do that if they're not already. I would hope so too. Um, you know, being part of the, the dreamers podcast and all it's, uh, it's not always easy. And sometimes you do need to, as Matt put it, get a job at pizza hut delivering pizzas. Uh, but it's totally worth it. As long as you, uh, figure out a plan and, and stay on track of what you want, you know, where you want to head and what you want to accomplish. So thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. I really appreciate it, and I'd love to have you on again and uh, sometime in the future, and we can follow up and see how everything's been going. Hopefully you'll have a, a trip to Dubai to, to go, you know, check it. I mean, to do business, but to check it out. <laughs> Joe, thanks for the opportunity, man. God bless you, and we'll look forward to talking again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.